What up, world? Welcome to another episode of the RJO Show. I am your humble host, RJ Ochoa, staff writer at InsideTheStar.com. Also the host of Ocho Live, your only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option you can watch on Twitter, Periscope, or the Inside the Star Facebook live feed. The RJO Show is presented to you by Slant Sports Audibles, and we are off and running. It is another day, another episode. It's ex- uh, episode 43, I believe, so we are trucking right along. It was... 42 episodes ago, that the RJ Osha was just a little baby that we all nurtured and took care of together. And here we are. We are having fun. We are past week six of the 2016 NFL season. And, man, it, uh, it it's a weird one. You know, if we're being totally honest right now, six weeks in, this is a weird season. And I think that that's um, sort of symbolized in certain ways. I mean, you look at ratings are down. There's so many stars missing. Obviously, Peyton Manning retired. Tom Brady was absent for a while. Adrian Peterson, J.J. Watt, Tony Romo. Lots of big names who are are injured. And you look at some of the, the classic teams, or not classic, but some of the top teams, the Seahawks haven't necessarily been themselves. The Packers haven't been themselves. Um, you know, you just, it's a, it's a weird year, man. It's a weird year, and you try to adjust, you move on, and uh, you make do. That's what we do here on the RJO Show every week. Twice a week, we talk about the NFL, what's going on. And actually, this week, we'll have three episodes of the RJO Show. This one coming out to you on Tuesday, October 18th. We'll have a special bonus episode on Wednesday, October 19th. Uh, and it's for all of our Cowboys fans. We've got a debate between staff writers besides myself at InsideTheStar.com, Jess Haney, Sean Martin. The three of us are going to get together. We're going to talk Dak Prescott, Tony Romo. I'm going to serve as more of a moderator. Jess is Team Dak. Sean is Team Romo. So uh, that'll be out for you. That'll be on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, October 20th, after Thursday Night Football, Jimmy Jow, Seth, and I, as always, will recap that game and preview Week 7 across the National Football League. And also, if you have any interest, you can listen to me on ESPN San Antonio's The Hardline this Friday, October 21st from 11 a.m. Central to uh, to 2 p.m. Central. So, uh, you know, it's fun. Just do that. That's all that stuff. If you have any questions, you know where to find me on Twitter at RGO Cho as well. But let's dive in. Let's talk about week six across the NFL. And we already talked about Thursday Night Football last week with Jimmy. 21-13 to 13 Chargers got the win. Not a big deal, but that, uh, that did get the week started. The first game we're going to talk about here, the Buffalo Bills hosting the San Francisco 49ers. I picked the Bills, and I was right. 45 points scored by the Bills in Buffalo uh, in Colin Kaepernick's first start this season. There was um, some hoopla going on about that. Obviously, we all know what's going on with Colin Kaepernick and the national anthem protests. But this game was all Bills in every single way. LaShawn McCoy had 140 rushing yards, which had to feel good against Chip Kelly, who traded him away from the Philadelphia Eagles. The Bills have now, you know, have now won four games in a row. The Bills are looking really good. I mean, the Bills, they beat the Cardinals, they beat the Patriots, they beat the Rams, now the 49ers. The Bills, after losing on Thursday Night Football to the New York Jets, it felt like the sky was falling. They were 0-2, are now 4-2, and and certainly in the hunt, I would say, in the AFC wildcard picture. And so kudos to the Bills. Again, just an impressive game on the ground from them. You know, the Bills are all about getting yardage on the ground. That's who they want to be. I studied that in my price per yard series this past summer. But the 49ers were a mess. The 49ers, you can make a case for them being the worst team in football. Colin Kaepernick, again, in his return, had 187 yards. 
was nothing special. I mean, he's a better running quarterback, more mobile than, you know, Blaine Gabbert. But that's like saying I'm more mobile than, you know, Pepper Jack Cheese. It's not a big compliment at all. But, hey, I mean, the 49ers, we'll see what happens if Chip Kelly can get this uh, this thing turned around after a full season and a full off season not coming in. But you just look at this, and there's nothing on that 49er team that makes you smile. But moving on, the New York Giants beat the Baltimore Ravens 27-23 to at home. Eli Manning crossed over 400 yards, and Odell Beckham Jr. finally having a lot of fun. 222 yards and two touchdowns in the victory for the G-Men. And a few things that I, I took away from this game, you know, first of all, the the Giants, they're so, I mean, they're, so, they're the perfect team for Eli Manning. And that's actually going to be the case when we get to another New York team later in the show. But they're so wishy-washy, they can be so great, they can also be so bad, they're the perfect team for Eli Manning. And Odo Beckham Jr., you know, he scored two touchdowns, and he went, um, you know, back to the net. We all know about Odo Beckham Jr.'s relationship with the net and, and seemingly proposed to it, which was funny, but... Odell, dude, move on. It was it was hilarious, honestly, when Odell Beckham Jr. ran to the net in Green Bay on Sunday Night Football of Week 5 and hugged it because the week before had been when he had been seen feuding with it. But, you know, at this point, it's like, dude, Odell, let it go, man. I mean, you know, are you going to be doing this all year? Is this going to be like your thing now? I mean, let it go. It's just, you know, I like Odell. I think he's supremely talented, but I wish he'd let stuff like this go and just focus on the football uh, matters and, and, and whatever is at hand. But the Baltimore Ravens were 3-0 and at one point this season. They are now 3-3. Three and three. It's uh, it's insane, you know, the switch from, um, from Mark Tressman to Marty Morningway didn't yield too many positive results. Terrence West did finally get a little bit more involved. The, the Ravens realizing he's a good running back, 87 yards on the day for him. But the Ravens are, are a bit lost right now, I think. And the Ravens visited the New York Giants in week five, or excuse me, week six. And they will, in week seven, visit the New York Jets. I think that's really cool. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens back-to-back road games in the same stadium. I think that's cool. It just is a rarity. doesn't happen a lot. I, you know, I think that's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, New York Giants finally getting back on track. The New Orleans Saints handed... The Carolina Panthers, what might be their, you know, biggest loss of the season in terms of this this loss for the Panthers puts them at one and five and firmly pretty much establishes that they will not be a playoff team in 2016. You know, you look at it, if you count the playoff games from last season, the Carolina Panthers, they were 15-1 and one in the regular season. They won in the divisional round against the Seahawks. They beat the Cardinals in the NFC Championship game. So they were 17-1. and one. Since then, the Carolina Panthers are 1-6, if you count the Super Bowl. Their one win coming at home against the San Francisco 49ers in Week 2. The Panthers, they put up 38 points, and a lot of this was in garbage time, um, and which was cool for fantasy football players, I guess. Uh, but and, and, you know, Jonathan Stewart picked up 85 yards on the ground. At least he's back. He's healthy. Uh, but Drew Brees, 465 yards, 173 of them to Brandon Cooks. The Saints are the Saints are an enigma. They're, you know, their thing is they score a lot of points. They pick up a lot of yards. They're in shootouts, and we've seen them do that. You think about last year's game in the Superdome between these two teams, and it was, in, you know, it ended in a very similar way. But this time, the Saints coming out on top. 
the Saints beating the Panthers 41-38. to And I don't think it means much for the Saints. I don't think they're a playoff team. I think that they'll have moments like this across the season where they, you know, catch our eye because of, of a big offensive explosion and they're relevant from fantasy angles. But the Panthers, again, 1-5 and five entering their bye. I maintain that the Panthers are the team version of Odell Beckham Jr., that they must be having fun to be playing well. Cam Newton had a, you know, a, a poor moment in his press conference walking away again, all, you know, pouting. And that's the thing. Cam Newton there last season it was just let Cam dab, let him be himself, let him do this and cuz Cam was was all smiles cuz he was winning. But now and and I'm not saying that Cam is a bad person or a bad quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But Cam needs to move on. Cam needs to realize you are going to lose games and you have to deal with it when you lose. And he just doesn't like to and people try to sell that as oh he just, you know, hates losing that much and he can't do it. And cool. I respect that he hates losing. So does everybody else. You're not the, alone. It doesn't make Cam Newton different because he hates losing. Everybody hates losing Cam. You have to deal with it at least with the same level of grace that everybody else does. But, you know, hey, the Carolina Panthers, 1 and 5. Shocker, they are on their bye this week. The Detroit Lions hosted the Los Angeles Rams in the game that people only knew was happening because they saw it on the Red Zone channel. That's kind of, you know, there's like that game every week where you really wouldn't be paying attention to it if you weren't watching the Red Zone channel. Like you wouldn't even know it was going on at all. And the Detroit Lions got the win. Golden Tate coming up big, 165 yards. Case Keenum, though. Case Keenum had 321 yards in the air for the Los Angeles Rams. That's right. That's a real thing. Case Keenum, again, I'm going to say it again. Case Keenum had 321 yards as the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, who were coached by Jeff Fisher. Who knew that that was possible? I didn't. Uh, I don't even think Case knew it was possible, but... Uh, unfortunately, and in typical fashion for the Rams, it came in a losing effort. The Lions getting this win again, thirty-one to twenty-eight. And again, this is a weird game. You know, the the Lions I think are more interesting than the Saints, for example. And I think Matthew Stafford. You know, the transition to Jim Bob Cooter as the offensive coordinator has really helped him, stemming back all the way to two thousand fifteen. And I think that Jim Bob Cooter is sort of underrated in the NFL. I think he's one of the better offensive coordinators considering what he's working with. The Lions did not have Theo Riddick in this game. He was out with an injury. And, you know, Justin Forsett, who they signed in the middle of the week, didn't really get a lot going on either. But still, I mean, the Lions, I think, deserve some props. Jim Bob Cooter deserves some props. And the Rams are back to normal. They will be in London, though, in week seven. So final game before we head to break. The Tennessee Titans, 28-26, to a narrow victory over the team who has yet to record a win, the only team who has yet to record a win this season, the Cleveland Browns. The Tennessee Titans getting that win, and the Tennessee Titans are interesting. I, I don't know what it is. You know, I think Marcus Mariota is um, is having success despite Mike Malarkey. But the Titans offense, you got Marcus Mariota. Again, you got DeMarco Murray. You got Hunter Henry. You got Kendall Wright, who finally came back to life with 133 yards. I mean... This is, uh, I think the Titans are building the framework. You look at, sometimes you can sense when teams are going to be good in the future. I think the Titans are going to be, I don't want to say good, but the Titans are going to be interesting in a year, in two years when this has had some time to marinate. But the poor Browns, man, they just can't get it done. They can't close. They're 0-6. 
And Cody Kessler, though, I think deserves a lot of props because the Browns have lost Robert Griffin III, they've lost Josh McCown, and they're on Cody Kessler. And yes, they have yet to win a game, but Cody Kessler's playing well. I mean, he had 336 yards. I think I don't think it's silly to say that Cody Kessler is one of the better rookie quarterbacks, and we've seen a lot of them. I think Cody Kessler is maybe better than Jacoby Brissett. I know we haven't seen that much of Jacoby Brissett, but I, I wouldn't fight that argument. I mean, you look at it right now, we'll talk about Sunday Night Football later, but if you told me I could either have Cody Kessler late in the draft or sign Brock Osweiler to a $72 million contract, I don't know that I don't take Cody Kessler. I know that's a bit of a hot take, but, I mean, Cody Kessler's playing okay. He's doing this for the Browns. And you know what? Terrell Pryor, just a beast. I love me some Terrell Pryor. I have him on my fantasy team. He's the man. It is insanely difficult to make the transition from quarterback to wide receiver, and he's actually doing it. He's getting it done. Hugh Jackson, again, they have not won a game. We've been talking a lot about this on the RJO show, but there is, at least from my perception perspective, those are difficult words, but words are hard. Uh, I'm just going to say that. Good thing I don't have a podcast where I have to use them all, but I do feel more optimistic about the Browns, even though they have yet to win a game through six weeks, than I have at any other point in the last decade. It does feel like the Browns are, you know, they've just had to turn this thing so far around that it's just going to take a while. And I think Hugh Jackson isn't starting to turn that corner, but he's at least heading that direction, which is more than we can say for any team that has come, or any coach and and residually any Browns team that has come before him. But again, hats off to the Titans. I don't think the Titans are out of this when it comes to the AFC South. In fact, I think the Titans are maybe more interesting than the Colts. And we'll get to the Colts later, obviously. But we will be getting to that stuff later, later. That's why I said the word later. Again, words are hard. We'll be taking a break right now. We come back. We'll be finishing wrapping up this week, um, you know, talking about some news going on in the NFL and uh, do in that business because that's what we do here on the RJO show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this break on the RJO show. Cowboys Nation, our team is 5-1 and one, and one of the best teams in the NFL. It sure is good to be a Cowboy. And it's even better when you check out InsideTheStar.com. Inside the Star is your home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis across the web. You know how I know this? I'm a staff writer there, and I know how much work goes into it beyond myself. The other writers do a fantastic job 24-7, 365, to make sure that you, the voices of a nation, are caught up when it comes to all matters concerning America's team. At Inside the Star, we have game previews, player profiles, weekly recaps, bold predictions, anything and everything concerning the news about your team, we have your back. So make sure you check us out on the web at InsideTheStar.com. Com. You can follow us on Twitter at Cowboys Nation or at Inside the Star DC. Go like us on Facebook. Just search for Inside the Star, and you can also hang out with us on Google Plus, Snapchat, or Instagram. Now let's get back to this episode of the RJO Show. Welcome back to the RJO Show. Thousand I love this song. I do love this song so much. It reminds me of one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. If you follow me on Twitter, maybe you know the answer. If you know the answer just based off the song, a thousand points to you, which is a shout-out to another TV show I love, Whose Line Is It Anyway? But, um, you know, 
I uh, I love TV. When I write, you heard the ad there for InsideTheStar.com. When I write, I like to have something on in the background, something on Netflix, something I've seen before just so it doesn't distract me too much. And lately, I've been running through The Office again. I love The Office. and You know, Steve Carell and Michael Scott and all. It's great. And um, I'm nearing the end, and I need something to watch, something to have on in the background. And I think that I am ready to rewatch How I Met Your Mother. The ending, obviously very controversial. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, don't worry. I will not spoil it. But that song reminds me of How I Met Your Mother. And if you know why, a thousand points to you. Let's talk about a team that almost scored a thousand points on Sunday. Just kidding, but it really did feel that way. The Miami Dolphins put 30 points up on the board, which is shocking because one, they're the Dolphins, but two, because it came against the Pittsburgh Steelers who only managed to squeak out 15 points. Now this was far and away the Jay Ajayi game. He had 204 yards on the ground, which was very impressive considering uh, that he had been not good in the season, which is uh, really interesting. The Dolphins, you know, we're going to get games like this out of teams like this who who rise up. You know, you can just – this is the Super Bowl for the Miami Dolphins. The Pittsburgh Steelers come to town. They're one of the best teams in the NFL, so they rise up beyond their normal potential, and they win. And good job, the Dolphins. We're, we're proud of you. So the Dolphins have now beaten two teams in, in the NFL this season, the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, good job. But – the Steelers have a bit of trouble on their hands. They lost this game, which is troublesome in and of its own right, but they also have lost Ben Roethlisberger for a bit of time. Ben Roethlisberger suffering a torn meniscus in his knee, which if it sounds foreign to you, you should uh, kind of know what's going on with that injury right now. That is the same injury that Adrian Peterson is dealing with that he suffered uh, at home against the Green Bay Packers, and now you can add Ben Roethlisberger to the torn meniscus list. Now on Tuesday, it was reported that Ben Roethlisberger would miss this week's game for sure, which is a game against the New England Patriots. But the Steelers, they are on a bye next week, which is good for them. It buys them another time or another week, obviously, for Ben Roethlisberger to get better. But then they have the Ravens in Baltimore. They have the Cowboys, and I will be at that game uh, in Pittsburgh. Then they get the Browns, the Colts, the Giants. It's not really that intimidating, but you have to figure that, that Big Ben will be back, you know, if we're believing the optimistic side of projections from a health standpoint near or around that Cowboys game. And so the buy is really, really, really well timed for the Steelers. And let's be honest, they were probably going to lose to the Patriots anyway, but you know, either way, this is troublesome. I tweeted this out on Monday. Ben Roethlisberger has played three full seasons in his NFL career. That means in those, those are the only three seasons where he has played every game on the Steelers schedule. Tony Romo, by comparison, has played four full seasons. So, you know, there is an injury narrative, I think, about Ben Roethlisberger that is not discussed often enough. He's good to miss a game to three every season. You can count on that. It is uh, an annual tradition. But we'll see what happens with the Steelers moving on. We will move on to the Redskins and the Eagles, a classic NFC East showdown. And this, you know, the Redskins won this game 27 to 20. So it looks like it was a lot closer than it was. But the Eagles had 14 points that were scored off of a pick six, terrible pass that Kirk Cousins threw, and a Wendell Smallwood kickoff return for a touchdown. So the Eagles offense, who many have praised, Carson Wentz has won three Rookie of the Week honors, only able to put up six points in Washington, which is um, not good. And Kirk Cousins, 263 yards in the air without Jordan Reed. But this was the Matt Jones game who finally really came alive for the Redskins this season 135 yards the Redskins I've been saying this a lot if you watch Ocho Live when it comes to the NFC East it's obvious that right now the Cowboys 
are the threat to win it. But the Redskins, I believe, are a wild card team in the NFL. I believe that the Redskins, if you're a Cowboys fan listening to this, are more of a threat to the Cowboys than the Eagles or the Giants. We're starting to see the Eagles sort of regress to the mean by now, regress to who they are. They really outkicked their coverage the first two weeks of the season when they played the Browns and the Bears. But we have seen the Eagles come back down to earth. If you think about it, I mean, they beat the Steelers, and that was obviously very impressive. But since then, the the Eagles were on a bye, and they lost in Detroit. They lost at Washington. The Eagles get the Vikings uh, in the return of Sam Bradford this week. Then they go to Dallas. They go to New York. They get the Falcons. They get the Seahawks. They get the Packers, the Bengals. I mean, the road is treacherous for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think that they're at all a threat to the NFC East title or to a wildcard spot in the NFC. But the Redskins... I do believe, are starting to catch, I don't want to say fire, but catch who they are as a team. The Redskins get the Lions, and they get the Bengals, and then their tough schedule starts. After the bye, they got the Vikings, Packers, and Cowboys, and Cardinals. But still, the if you're talking about teams in the NFL, you go off of offenses, because this is an offensive league. The Redskins offense put up 27 points without their most lethal threat in Jordan Reed, and I think that that was very impressive. The Redskins should be taken seriously. Kirk Cousins, you know, it was really easy to hate on the guy when the season started that he wasn't who he was and whatever but Kirk Cousins starting to find himself regain his 2015 form and I think that the Redskins need to begin some contract negotiations with him before it gets out of hand let's move on the Chicago Bears hosted the Jacksonville Jaguars 16 to 17 and lost what remained of their dignity um yeah 17 16 a score in favor of the Jaguars they were down in the fourth quarter but they managed to come back uh and, and win this thing the Bears it's it's difficult to understand what the Bears are thinking. Um, you know, Brian Hoyer had another 300-yard game, or, or a 300-yard game, I should say. And so you don't know what's going on with Jay Cutler. Brian Hoyer has played more games this season as the quarterback for the Bears than Jay Cutler has. Because remember that Jay Cutler went out week two on Monday Night Football against the Eagles, and it's been Brian Hoyer's team ever since. But the Bears, I don't know if they know. Look, Bears, if you're listening, you have Alshon Jeffrey on your team. He's really good. You should throw him the football because good things generally happen when that, you know, when that decision is made. But the Bears, you know, they're they just they're a mess. And, and you know, we talked about how the 49ers might be the worst team in the NFL. The Bears are flirting with them. I would take the Browns over both the 49ers and the Bears. The 49ers and the Bears are duking this thing out to see who the absolute worst team is. We'll see them match up, by the way, in week 13 in Chicago. That could be a battle for the number one overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft, if we're being totally honest here. But the Bears just can't get it done again. And the Jaguars, like the Jaguars got a win, and that's great. But the Jaguars still don't look anything close to what their hype suggested they would look like this season. Blake Bortles is still iffy. Allen Robinson is okay. Nothing is particularly inspiring about the Jaguars. You know, and I would put them last in the AFC South right now. I think the Texans are ahead of them. I think the Titans are ahead of them, like I said. And the Colts, who collapsed, we'll get to that in a bit, like we've been talking, I'd still take the Colts over them. The Jaguars, you know, are just bad. You know, the Jaguars are bad, and they're just less bad than the Bears. So, the New England Patriots hosted the Cincinnati Bengals on to Cincinnati, obviously the famous words uttered by Bill Belichick in 2014, and they crushed them. Tom Brady, 376 yards. Tom Brady has played two games in the NFL this season because of his suspension. Two weeks that Tom Brady has been in this uh, season of action. He has led the NFL in passing twice. Tom Brady had the most yards in Week 5. He also had the most yards in Week 6 with 
376 yards. Rob Gronkowski is back, 162 yards for Mr. Gronk. And Vontez Burfecht is acting like a fool once again, throwing some cheap shots out there. Look, the Patriots just dismantled the pa- the, the Bengals. Excuse me. The pa- and you know, remember, I own the Bengals, so it's okay for me to say that. If you're unfamiliar with that, I'll catch you up. I own the Bengals. That's really the end of it. But the Patriots. You know, now given Ben Roethlisberger's injury, the Patriots have a one-way ticket to Houston for Super Bowl 51. They will be there. You can, you can put, you know, you can iron that in. The Patriots will be at Super Bowl 51. The Bengals, however, I think the Bengals are going to miss the playoffs. I, I really think so. The Bengals, I think that their magic is just running out, and it wasn't ever really magic. I think it was just a lot of hard work and consistency, and they're just at the end of that rope. And I think that the Bengals are going to regress uh, as the season moves on. And, and, you know, poor Bengals ran into the Cowboys and Patriots back-to-back weeks. That's got to be rough. The Kansas City Chiefs, this was interesting because we had two inter-AFC West division matchups this week. We saw the Chargers beat the, the Denver Broncos on Thursday Night Football, and then we saw the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Oakland Raiders 26-10 to on Sunday. So what does this mean? It means the AFC West is really up for grabs because the Chargers were the lowest-ranked team in the division, and the Chiefs, you know, were uh, were hanging on but not really in contention. Before this week, it was Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers in terms of division standing, so the top two dogs lost a bit of a lead. The Raiders only able to put up 10 points. It was uh, – you know, one of the worst games of Derek Carr's career. He had a fumble, his first one of the season. Spencer Ware put 131 yards up on the ground for the Chiefs. Jamal Charles is slowly, I think, easing his way back into this. But um, the Chiefs just getting it done. Andy Reid is the man after bye weeks. I think Andy Reid is something like 15-2 and two after the bye in his NFL career, which is just incredible if you really think about it. You give Andy Reid that extra week and you are in for a bad time, which is amazing considering how – you know, the Philadelphia Eagles lost the Super Bowl in the 2004 season when he had that extra time to prepare. But uh, it did him some some good this week when the, the Chiefs beat the Raiders. So the AFC West, I think, right up there with the NFC East for the most interesting division in the NFL. So we're going to take one more break. But when we come back, we'll be talking about the Falcons, Seahawks, Cowboys, Packers, Sunday Night Football, and Monday Night Football. And we will wrap up this episode and get you home safely. I promise. We'll be right back after this break here on the RJ Ocean. What up, world? It is RJ Ochoa, the leader of Ocho Nation, and every day you need to be a part of Ocho Nation on Ocho Live. Ocho Live is the only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option. It is a daily live show that you can watch on Twitter, Periscope, or the Inside the Star Facebook live feed. Every day at 3 p.m. Central Time, we jump on, we talk, we interact, we have some fun, but most importantly, we discuss America's team and the matters that concern it. We do it together as a family because that is how Cowboys Nation operates. That is how Inside the Star operates. We are the voices of a nation. So make sure you hang out and watch Ocho Live every day at 3 p.m. Central Time. Follow me on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. Follow me on Periscope by the same name or go like Inside the Star on Facebook to watch on our Facebook live feed. Now let's get back to this episode of the RJO show. Welcome back to the RJO show everybody. That's right. We are hanging out. I am your humble host, RJO Cho, a staff writer inside the star.com, the host of Ocho Live. You know the drill. By now it is the third segment. You are well caught up. I know that you are a smart cookie. 
I could go for some cookies right now. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. And chocolate chip gets all the love. I love oatmeal cookies. I think oatmeal cookies are the best, actually. If I could have one cookie, it would be an oatmeal cookie. I know that's not a popular opinion, but you know what? I don't care. I care about football, and that's what we're here to talk about. Let's finish up our Week 6 recap before we get out of here and uh, go have some fun with whatever else we got going on in life. Let's just do it. So, the Atlanta Falcons, who were one of the top teams in the NFC this season, fell in Seattle 24-26. to uh, Matt Ryan put together another big effort, 335 yards against the Legion of Boom, and Julio Jones had 139 yards. It was an impressive performance, no doubt, but still got outdone by the Seahawks. And there was a questionable penalty near the end of this game on Julio Jones that wasn't called. And, you know, the NFL is in such a weird place with what is called, what isn't called, what's a catch. You know, the Monday night game we'll get to in a minute had penalty after penalty. The NFL, look, I, I'm not going to sit up here on my metaphorical lawn and say, man, I remember the days of football where there were no penalties. They need to get rid of these penalties because I don't have a solution. I don't. I do think that this is ridiculous. It's hard to watch at a certain point when there are such, you know, such a, a large amount of penalties. It begins to oversaturate the game. And then when there are penalties in such critical moments, I mean, you're talking about the Falcons and the Seahawks here. These teams could be in the running for a wild card for a uh, first round bye. You know, this could affect a lot of things that really matter and a lot of teams and a lot of money and a lot of businesses. And so I think you have to figure out what you're doing, right? Maybe that's calling the penalties. Maybe it's calling them like you see them. Maybe I'm wrong, but it is starting to get annoying. Look, the Falcons fell in this game, but honestly, I'm amazingly not that worried about them. The Falcons, I think are about to go on a little run here. They get the chargers, the Packers, the, and then they're in Tampa Bay and in Philadelphia before thereby. I think the Falcons win three of those games easily the Falcons with Julio Jones as long as that offense is rolling are for real the Seahawks I still I believe in them I mean they're obviously the Seahawks but they visit Arizona on this week's Sunday Night Football they get the Saints you know in New Orleans the Bills and then they go to New England that's going to be a great game but the Seahawks they just don't look like themselves they don't look like the Seahawks we've known for so long the intimidating team and Kristen Michael seems to be yeah I don't want to say Marshawn Lynch reincarnated but Kristen Michaels living up to the hype, the awakening, as many fantasy football analysts refer to it in Twitter land, had 64 yards on the ground and a touchdown that was awesome. But look, the Seahawks, we have to believe in them until we can't. Kind of like the Panthers. The Panthers sort of earned our trust and now have since thrown it in the garbage can. So the Seahawks, we believe in you. Don't let us down. So moving on, this was America's Game of the Week. And thanks to my hero, Tom Brenneman, the Cowboys went into Lambeau Field and they beat the Green Bay Packers 30-16. to This was the exclamation point that the Dallas Cowboys needed. They entered the bye 5-1 and one without the services of Tony Romo, without pretty much the services of Des Bryant, pretty much of Orlando Skandrick. This is, look, think about this for a second. We'll get to the Packers in a minute. The Dallas Cowboys are 5 and 1 for the second time in 3 years because they were 5 and 1 at this stage in 2014. They have a different quarterback, they have a less version a lesser version of Des Bryant and they have a different running back who is also leading the NFL in rushing at this point. DeMarco Murray was then, Zeke Elliott is now. What the Cowboys have done has been I I don't think properly praised. I mean, you give a lot of the praise, obviously, to the offensive line. They're the common denominator there. You give a lot of praise to Jason Witten. He's a common denominator. I think that we need to give an enormous amount of praise to Jason Garrett. 
you know, we all praised uh, Mike Zimmer when he, you know, with what he's doing, and he deserves our praise with what the Vikings are doing, considering what they have lost Teddy Bridgewater, Adrian Peterson, Matt Khalil, Sharif Floyd. Those are big time injuries, but the Cowboys have lost just as much, arguably. I mean, if they've lost less, it's, you know, slim. The Cowboys, what Jason Garrett is doing is incredible, and he absolutely deserves our respect. Scott Lenahan, Rod Marinelli, both of them. I mean, this has been quite the performance to go 5-1. and one. And, you know, I've been saying this a lot, but maybe you didn't catch Ochoa. Maybe you didn't hear this or that, so I'm going to say it one more time. A few weeks back, the New England Patriots hosted the Houston Texans on Thursday Night Football, and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play. Tom Brady was still suspended. So Bill Belichick beat the Houston Texans, destroyed them, by the way, with Jacoby Brissett, his rookie you know, quarterback, his rookie third-string quarterback and everybody freaked out everybody said this is why bill belichick's going in the hall of fame and you know what they're right you know what that was a big deal bill belichick deserved a lot of credit for that he beat a really good team with his rookie third string quarterback you know who has won five games with his rookie third string quarterback jason garrett that's right when the cowboys landed in oxford california for training camp tony romo was qb1 and kellen moore was qb2 Dak prescott is literally by definition their third quarterback and you know what he was drafted after jacoby Brissett, so it's by draft definition of lesser talent now obviously Dak has played phenomenally but still you know for one game we you know fell at the feet of bill belichick considering what he did with Jacoby Brissett against the Houston Texans. Jason Garrett has done it against the Washington Redskins, the Chicago Bears, the San Francisco 49ers, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field where the Dallas Cowboys had only ever won one game in their franchise history. That is amazing. We need to, I mean, Jason Garrett is firmly in the running for coach of the year. And as somebody who uh, refused to give him props for a long time, mostly because he did not deserve them at that time, I am here to defend Coach Garrett. Red ball, as he is known on Cowboys Twitter. So shout out to you, Coach Garrett. Zero shout outs to the Packers and mostly to Packers fans. If you watch this game and the likelihood is very large considering it was America's game of the week, you know, the Packers, they wore their throwback uniforms, which bothers me. You know, I'm a uniform aficionado. It bothers me because there's Navy involved, but they can't even go to the trouble of changing the face masks. They still rock the, you know, dark green face mask with the Navy. It clashes. It doesn't match. How hard could it have been? They had a whole week to just change the face mask. Teams do it all the time. The Jets changed for Thursday Night Football when they wore the white ones. The Chargers changed for Thursday Night Football when they wore the yellow ones. The Packers had more time than both of those teams. They could have done it. Get it going. On, Packers come on but the Packers need to get it going even just in terms of football Aaron Rodgers looks broken Aaron Rodgers I've never seen Aaron Rodgers look that apathetic in a football game he looked like Jay Cutler he just looked completely disinterested and he looks broken you know they showed before the game even started when Aaron Rodgers came out for his first possession that he had the lowest completion percentage in the NFL Aaron Rodgers that's amazing and you know what Shame on you, Packers fans, and I'm going to be serious here. Shame on Packers fans because Packers fans at Lambeau Field, which I love to say Ron Wolf once referred to in his Hall of Fame speech as the Holy Cathedral of Professional Football, Lambeau Field booed 
Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense. Oh, I'm sorry, Packers fans. You mean your quarterback isn't ripping off 350-yard games with four touchdowns and no interceptions? Oh, my gosh. It must be so difficult to be you. The Packers have had not just great, not just legendary, but literally Hall of Fame caliber play at the most important position in sports for the last quarter century. And because Aaron Rodgers has an off game, which he should be allowed to do, They boo him? Give me a break. Packers fans are the most spoiled brats that there are in the NFL. They need to get over themselves and realize that Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, I don't care anybody who puts on the green and gold is allowed to have one bad game, one bad week, even one bad season after what they have done for Green Bay and the Lambeau faithful. So, you know, that was my little rant there, my little diatribe. 30-16 to was the final score. Zeke Elliott, still the league's leading rusher, 157 yards, became the first first rookie in NFL history to have four consecutive games of over 130 yards. Impressive from the young rook. Sunday night football. Carrie Underwood sang the song. Al and Chris were on the call. It was primetime television, but it sure did not feel like it. This game and primetime games in general, we still have Monday night football to talk about, have been boring. That's right. The Houston Texans defeated the Indianapolis Colts 26-23 in overtime, and it sounds like that would be thrilling, but it wasn't. The Houston Texans squeak by. Like, this is one of those wins where you're not even – you're happy, I get it, that you won, but you're just kind of like, ugh, we're, we're so bad. You know, it's hard for me to get excited. The most exciting element to this game, and I'm being dead serious here if you missed it. You missed it. You didn't miss anything. Frank Gore, the Indianapolis Colts had not had a running back have a 100-yard game or, you know, or more across 100 yards in like 55, 56 games. And Frank Gore was at 98 yards, and everybody was, was just rooting for this on Twitter. It was amazing. And Frank Gore gets to 100. Huzzah! Yay! Everybody celebrate! But then Frank Gore gets tackled for a loss, and he's at 99. It was awful. I mean, the Colts had even tweeted out, like, some celebrations and congratulations to Frank Gore. Oh, and by the way, no celebrations, you know, that required game – or, you know, had game footage because Roger Goodell won't let that happen. But – so he lost the yardage, and then this game goes to overtime, and he gets it. So it really, uh, you know, ultimately worked out, but it was pretty funny. Um, Lamar Miller is amazing. Lamar Miller getting it done behind what is maybe what one of the worst offense, offensive lines in the NFL. 149 yards for him. Brock Osweiler, you know, the Texans are 4-2. and two. There's a lot of reason for optimism in Houston. But if you're a Texans fan, and I know we'll talk about this with Jimmy Josseth now later in the week, it's hard to believe that, you know, this is for real. And we're going to get to see Brock Osweiler on Monday Night Football next week as he returns to Denver. And $72 million is a lot of money. It's a big number that is on the minds of every Texans fan right now. Let's move to Monday Night Football. And, you know, you came out of this Sunday night game thinking, well, it was prime time. How much more boring could it get? The answer is a 28-3 to win by the Arizona Cardinals over the New York Jets. Carson Palmer was back, and he looked okay. He did have a hamstring issue at the end of the game, but I think it's going to be all right. David Johnson is – top three running backs in the NFL right now are him, Zeke, and Le'Veon Bell. That's not negotiable. LaShawn McCoy is in the conversation, I think. He's probably got the honorable mention at fourth, and then fifth is maybe Todd Gurley. But David Johnson is amazing in you know right now. Eric Decker came out on Tuesday. He had hip surgery on top of the shoulder thing he was dealing with, so there's no way he's coming back. Brandon Marshall tried to carry the load. He had 70 yards for the Jets. 
but the Cardinals just overwhelmed them. They overwhelmed Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick has like zero touchdowns and 10 interceptions in the second half this season. The Jets are one in five. And you look at this and it's easy to question. You say, why did the Jets, you know, bring Fitzpatrick back? The Jets had no choice. The Jets had 10 wins last season. And we talk so much about windows in the NFL and teams going for it, teams trying to make championship runs. They saw those 10 wins. They said, look, we got to bring him back. We have to. And I, I, I think they absolutely had to. It, it just all they risked with a one-year deal on Fitzpatrick was that 2016 would be a disaster. And it is. They're one in five. And Fitzpatrick was actually pulled in this game. Geno Smith came in later in the fourth quarter. And John Gruden just hammered the new CBA for not letting Christian Hackenberg or Bryce Petty get valuable reps in practice. And look, I think the Jets would be crazy to stick with Fitzpatrick at this point. They're not going to, you know, he's obviously not the quarterback of the future. Geno Smith is in a contract year. So if you want to bring him back, you need to see him. You, need, you might as well play Geno the rest of this season, see what he's got, see if he's worth bringing back. The Jets need to activate Christian Hackenberg or Bryce Petty, one of them. They need to see these guys because the Jets, the Jets aren't even in qu- quarterback purgatory. The Jets are in quarterback, you know, wasteland. The Jets have no idea, you know, what a quarterback is at this point, and they're one in five. This is, you know, not. it wasn't a great homecoming for Todd Bowles, who got this job after, you know, a great job hanging on with the Cardinals in 2014. But the Jets uh, fall to 1-5. and five. The Cardinals stay alive in the NFC West picture, the NFC playoff picture, and that is how Week 6 ended. It was uh, it was interesting. You know, kind of a lower week, though. You know, you look at the, the primetime games, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, all drags. The NFL is just really needing something big right now and you know what that something big is on october 30th when the dallas cowboys host the philadelphia eagles on sunday night football i guarantee you that that game is going to completely obliterate any rating that any nfl game has had this season that game is going to get the nfl its groove back in terms of tv ratings and in terms of popularity the only reason you know it's silly when when broadcast people hate on fantasy football the only reason these primetime games broncos chargers colts texans and cardinals jets the only reason people the diehards are tuned you either get people tuning in because they love football they want to watch no matter what's on or because they have fantasy football players on the line that is the only reason. And the NFL is doing a lot of things to hurt even what they already have, things like the GIF usage and, and things like just controlling every single element of it. It makes it, – it's intolerable in a lot of ways. And, and people who aren't as in love with the game are going to bail. And we're starting to see that. And so um, hopefully that ship gets righted in week seven, though. It's amazing that we're at week seven already. I can't believe it. It's a whole lot of fun. So we'll have, like I said, a special bonus episode of the RJO Show coming to you on Wednesday, October 19th. Myself, Sean Martin, Jess Haney, staff writers at InsideTheStar.com, talking, debating Romo versus Dak. And then on Thursday, October 20th, by the way, my birthday. So, uh, you know, happy early birthday to me. Uh, you know, we'll have a new episode of the RJ Osha recorded after Thursday Night Football. And then again, if you want to on Friday, you can listen to me on ESPN San Antonio's The Hardline from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. I'll be filling in for Ari Temkin with David Chancellor. You can listen at 94.5 FM, 1250 AM or ESPNSA.com or the ESPN San Antonio app. And that concludes this week's episode of the RJ Osha. 
you know, I'm really happy with it. And I hope you are too. And I hope you had a great time. I sure did. So have yourself a fantastic day until we talk to you in the next bonus episode. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever it is you want to do. Do the dance. RJOchoaShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at RJOchoa. And most importantly, have yourself a fantastic week. As always, go Cowboys. And peace out. Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do?